I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema! So it is the month of July, 2022! And it is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode! Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. Uh, you know, this uh, time of the month always comes up quick, but I'm glad that it's here and uh, you know, ready to talk about some movies, talk about some Blu-rays, and hang out for a bit. Yeah, no, I've, I've been really looking forward to this, especially since I've got so much real life horse shit going on lately. This is my outlet, Brad. I look forward to this. But um, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, essentially what we're going to be doing here it, on this uh, very special Tales from the Shelf episode uh, is we are going to talk about our respective film collections. So that would be our DVDs, our Blu-rays and our 4K discs and whatnot. Um as you may have noticed, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, uh, Brad has a pretty substantial physical media collection. I, however, have some empty shelves at the moment <laughs> uh, because I... you, you've gone digital. You've sold everything. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Brad, would... <laughs> be honest. If if I were to do that, if I were to dump my collection and go full full movie club or whatever fucking digital or whatever Sony proprietary streaming services out there or something. Like, if I was solely a Crackle customer or some shit, would you come back to the show? Or would you just walk out on me? I might have to ghost you. I might have to ghost you. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, you you definitely puke in your lap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, as you may have noticed, I, I do not have any movies behind me. And the reason for that is I very recently relocated. I am in a new place. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping it works out very well for me, but as a result of this, uh, the logistics of selecting movies uh, for this month's Tales from the Shelf uh, became a little bit difficult, being as literally all of my shit is in boxes, some of which I am mounting my computer on at the moment. Uh, so, uh, the theme uh, for this month's Tales from the Shelf uh, is something that I've decided to dub the ghastly grab bag. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Brad, I, maybe this is unfair, but would would you care to try to give an explanation as to how we're we're going to be conducting the episode? Yeah, I can uh, kind of sum this up here. So, we both had our uh, um, special lady friends, uh, <laughs> I guess, if you want to <laughs> put it that way, uh, our girlfriends. Um, we each had them uh, just grab uh an assortment of films from our collection and uh random totally random and basically put them in a stack or maybe yours are in a bag i don't know how yours are handled mine are in a stack right now but i don't know what they are it's a complete surprise and uh yeah i mean it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun because it's gonna be a discovery for us, along with the listeners and viewers of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, no, this is this is an experiment. Uh, I'm hoping this can be a format that we revisit, but if this turns out to be a total fucking disaster, it will not. But um, <laughs> Brad, Brad's, uh, Brad's initial pitch uh, for the episode title, which we mutually came up with 
two minutes ago <laughs> was the As surprise <laughs> the surprise stash or the surprise stack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, however, d- vetoed that in favor of the ghastly grab bag. Oh, nice. <laughs> because my, my films come in a Hawaiian pillowcase. Uh, oh, okay. Very nice. By, by a relative. <laughs> so I have a nifty Santa's sack full of random movies. And as Brad had said, uh, we didn't really give any instruction uh, to our significant other. Uh, we just said, go, do, be, grab whatever jumps out at you for whatever the fuck reason. So uh, there might be some shit in here oh, that yeah. I probably don't want to talk about, but who knows? So, Could be something embarrassing um, coming out. I mean, really, we, we all have those, Brad. Like, you can't have a collection a few hundred titles deep. Uh, without having some embarrassing crap on your shelf. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't we do a whole episode on that already, I believe? I'm <laughs> uh, pretty sure. Uh, we, we've definitely done an episode on titles that we were upset about owning. Yeah. Like, we were, we were like, mm, I kind of feel some resentment towards myself. Like, why did you do that? Or why do you have that? Yeah, why do you yeah. need that? That's, that's a, it's a compulsion. Fuck off. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we should probably get to it. So, uh, as is customary, uh, I'm going to do my hosting duty of tossing Brad promptly under the bus uh, and ask that he uh, share his first ghastly grab bag pick. Uh, so, Brad, what you got up first? And All right. remember, folks at home, this is totally random. He, d- he doesn't have any idea what he's picking. All right. I have a film in my hand here, <laughs> and it does have a slipcover. Oh. So, that's nice. It's got a slip. Okay. And... I do believe I'm feeling it. It is unopened. It is unopened. Oh uh, shit! It still has the shrink wrap on, so I don't know how new this is. This could be brand new. This could. Be... I don't see anything. Oh, actually, maybe there was something picked up. My <laughs> hey, hey! Shelf. Don't cheat, Brad. Right, don't right, be looking right. for things that are missing. It is. I didn't do that. My shits are my shits in boxes. I don't <laughs> even know true. what's what's in what. My. It is not a movie. Actually, it is a TV series. Okay. TV miniseries. It is. Stephen King's The Stand, The Stand, oh. the new version of The Stand, the uh, CBS All Access Paramount Plus original. Now, I will say, as I said, this is still in the shrink wrap, so I have not watched it. But this was actually a good choice because I have not watched this version, but I am actually currently in the middle of watching the original miniseries. Um, which I also have on Blu-ray. That one was not in my collection because it's sitting out by the TV. Um, but I'm actually directly in the middle. I'm two episodes in out of four. So I'm watching that and I probably will watch this immediately next. So this will only be unopened for a little while longer, but I, uh, did read the stand recently for the first time, uh, which I, I liked it a lot. I'm a big Stephen King fan. Um, not my favorite Stephen King book. I know a lot of people say, I think it's kind of the general consensus is that most people say this is probably his best book, The Stand. Um, maybe like some of the Dark Tower books, maybe some people would put higher, but it seems like if you look at a list, the one you're going to see at the top most often is The Stand. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to watch this. And uh, after having watched a couple episodes of the uh, 1994 miniseries, directed by Mick Garris. Um, I'm very excited to watch this just for uh, its um, production values, um, which the original version is uh, 
somewhat lacking, and it's uh, a little tough to get through, I'll be honest. Uh, I like Mick Garris quite a bit. I think he's, uh, I like his podcast. He seems like a great guy. And, you know, he is directing a TV miniseries in the 90s, but uh, I'm not seeing too much, uh, as much as I like the guy, I'm not seeing too much talent on the screen there. And it's, uh, it's a little... It's a little it's a little dated. It's pretty melodramatic. And I've heard not good things about this one, actually, from what I've heard. So I don't I don't know what is going to be in store for this. I've heard it's uh, told out of chronological order, which a lot of people don't like, I guess. Could be. I, maybe I won't like it, but I don't It's could be interesting. I'm, I'm curious. And uh, I think the cast is uh, pretty solid, solid cast. I mean, what you got James Marsden. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, you got um, Amber Heard. She's a oh, hot, hot topic now. <laughs> it's gonna be fun seeing her in this after uh, all the drama there. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I'm excited to watch this in uh, probably just a couple weeks. So, uh, who they got playing Randall Flag uh, in? Well, in both of them, I can't remember the name of the actor in the original, but I've seen the '94 one. I haven't seen the one you're holding in your hand, though. Uh, yeah, it's it's Skarsgård who does Randall Flag in this one. Alexander Skarsgård. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. I gotta say, I the guy. I don't know the name of the guy who does it in the original. I actually think he's he's might be my favorite part of like in terms of the casting. I think he's a pretty good Randall Flag. I have to say. Um, I don't know. I like his vibe, and when I was reading the book. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever done this. I don't. I guess I don't know how often you read, Trevor. I'm, I'm assuming you read some at least. You seem like you're a well-read person, but sometimes you'll be like reading a book or something, and like you're reading and you get like a, a an image in your mind of a character, and then you find out more and more about that character, and it contradicts that original image, and you're kind of like, you know what? I like my version better. So screw you, Stephen King. I'm I'm going with my Randall flag. I I envisioned him the whole time as have you have you seen Lost Highway? Uh, unfortunately, no, I haven't. Well, there's a character in it, and I forget the name of the actor, but he's like a very like gaunt, pale looking, creepy guy with slick F. black. F. Murray Abraham. No, <laughs> no, this uh, actor actually, uh, I believe he murdered his wife. Um, oh. so he's, he's, yeah. um, I, I, I should look up his name, but, um, I pictured him as that character from Lost Highway. Um, and it's very different than Robert Blake, Robert Blake. That's who he is. Robert Blake. Um, very different than how Randall Flagg is described in the novel. But, uh, I, I think the version in the 94, uh, series, I, I actually kind of like that actor's portrayal. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm. Definitely uh, excited to check that one out. Yeah, no, I mean that's amazing timing. Maybe, uh, maybe your gal uh, noticed that you were watching the '94 one, and that Could was be. her incentive for picking it up. Could uh, be. So that, that worked out beautifully. Very, uh, very timely. Suspiciously timely. <laughs> <laughs> no, that but worked out great. I gu- I guess I'm actually. You know what I'm most curious about? I'm most curious about. Um, how they're going to top Rob Lowe playing a uh, mute deaf person and a um, dauber from Coach playing the special needs character. I'm really curious how that's handled in uh, this version. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, one would hope that they handle that a little better. Um, it, <laughs> like, that's a cur- that's a very curious use of your Rob Lowe. Where it's yeah. like, you know, I, I know he has a, a, a pretty solid reputation, especially in the 90s, for being very, man, like, very man-pretty. But, like, just deaf-mute Rob Lowe. It's like, but he, he does other things, man! <laughs> it's like, I mean, he does get some dialogue in there during, like, the, the dream sequences and stuff. But, yeah, like... It was one of the bigger names in that, and it's curious that that's how they used him. But um, yeah, what you mentioned about the the production values, though, I'm I'm hoping they can manage to to do a better cornfield in this one because yeah, uh, y- that set, man, yikes! Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> one of the uh, more cringeworthy aspects. Also, just like it never really feels like the end of the world, and like in the no, you know, the opening, no. it's it's like. I don't know. It's like you see a few shots in like a city of people running around, but then everything else is just people like in their homes being like, man, the news keeps saying everybody's dying out there. And it's like, oh, it doesn't really doesn't feel like it. It's just everybody's just hanging out at home. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it, and it has like that. It. it has that mid 90s like color palette and, and haze to it that it, it just has a friendly vibe to it like that was that was an era where a lot of people just casually on the street looked like kindergarten teachers yeah it was just the style at the time so it it makes the end of the world seem a little oddly friendly mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah that 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 series does like feel a little like toothless from time to time um but yeah i do remember randall flag being i remember that portrayal being pretty pretty solid like i like that um can't speak for the new one but yeah i agree with pretty much everything you said about mick garris where it's like he, beautiful human being adequate filmmaker <laughs> it's like that's, that's generally my vibe about him he seems like an incredibly nice kind man uh big heart works well with others but in terms of like filmmaking talent he seems like he gets the job done fairly consistently but it's like it's solid it's solid entertainment it does it, it never really blows your hair back yeah, I mean, like, good for him. He's a bit of a scam artist, to be honest. Like, he's, uh, you know, basically hasn't really made anything that substantial, and he's come up and uh, made his name in horror. And he's, like, this, like, you know, f- like, big head of horror almost. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily earned it, but he's uh, just from being friendly and just, like, doing podcasts and interviews, he's... uh. So I mean, good for him. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Good for him. I love I love McGarris. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be curious if he has like an entire episode of his podcast dedicated to the production of the stand. Yeah, like, I should look maybe, into that. I would hope so because I'm sure there's a lot of stories to tell. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's really incredible timing, though. <laughs> that you have now, you can just like set us set it aside and jump right into it whenever you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. Wookie. Well, uh, I guess the pick is to me, uh, so I'm going to reference my ghastly grab bag. And uh, <laughs> as I said, I'm reaching into my uh, Aloha print uh, pillowcase here. So I'm going to do what Brad did because I'm going to steal that idea. That was actually really cool. I enjoyed that. So what do we got here? It's okay, it's not a standard case. Hmm. Um, I think it's too slim discs in a, a hard box uh, interesting okay. yeah it's a it's an unconventional case for sure so, okay what do we got oh we have 
Judoni uh, Kenshin, uh, Samurai X is what they called it when they brought it to the States. Uh, this is a, a DVD, so Brad's already puking. Uh, this is also used, so he's puking twice because wow. it's beat to shit. Um, but oh, hey. You got a little note uh, on yours. Yeah, uh, the, the the lady, uh, the girlfriend, she, she put a, a sticky note on this one. Uh, the choreo, as in choreography, I stand by is like the dude's equivalent of a dance movie or cheerleading for girls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's cute. So, yeah, I, I was right. It does have two slim uh, cases within the hardbound box. Um, so we have uh, Trust and Betrayal and Reflection. So these actually, uh, <laughs> it's funny because the girlfriend has never seen these. Um, she has, however, seen the uh, the live action Kenshin movies, which mm. uh, folks at home, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I often have a lot of praise to heap on those films, and I've highly encouraged Brad to check them out. But uh, these are actually uh, the uh, these are OVAs. These are Japanese animations uh, because uh, Kenshin is actually a, a manga. So this was the '90s animated adaptation of that manga uh, so these preceded the live action films by i don't know a decade plus okay um and uh one of these uh is is highly critically regarded uh trust and betrayal is excellent um it's it's dour it's a uh, moody uh it's absolutely brutal whenever there's violence in it um which is kind of funny because uh like the early goings of of the manga and the anime of Kenshin are are he like packed with action, but like the whole gimmick of the character is that he doesn't kill anybody. Like he he hits people with a blunt a blunt instrument. He doesn't slice people. So this is this is like a prequel story where it shows him as an assassin, and he's just cutting people to ribbons throughout the whole thing, and it's glorious. Uh, it's super crazy bloody. Uh, it's wonderful, <laughs> but it's also a really awesome like. I don't know, love tragedy story as well. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a, a DVD box set that was released in the States uh, via ADV Films. Like I said, the girlfriend actually has never seen that, um, but like we did watch at least three of the live-action films. Um, I ended up watching the last two uh, via her Netflix account, uh, but without her, um, because I had waited years to see those. She knew that, and she was like, go do your thing i was like well, i won't watch it with you and she's like i have so many other things i'd much rather watch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go just just use my account watch it uh, but yeah good pick on her part i i haven't watched those in a while but trust and betrayal i'd be curious to see what she thinks of it because it is it, it's very beautiful at times uh, and it, it has a wide appeal in fact the uh, the last live action movie is that so is it two feature films there or Trust and Betrayal is feature length. I don't think I don't think Reflection is. I think Reflection is uh, an OVA. Um, oh, technically okay. they both uh, technically they both are, but in terms of length, uh, I think Reflection is is more in like the hour or 45 minute range whereas Trust okay. and Betrayal I seem to remember being like a little overlong to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I like the design of that. I mean, even though it's a DVD, so I hate it. But besides that, I <laughs> don't mind the design of the uh, the set there with the two thin cases. I 
I like that. I think we need to bring thin cases back, like thin cases within a larger case. I I have to say I do like that actually. Yeah, I I I thought this was a handsome package. Like I I think it works quite nicely. Um, I think it works really well if you have I don't know like less than feature length or like TV show type things like something like this. It's a, it's a space saver, but it doesn't mean it's any less aesthetically ap- appealing. You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I, I bought the Godfather trilogy on 4K and the it's like it has the thin cases, but they're not like actual like that is an actual like you can snap it shut case, right? Like they're just thin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, I like that with the Godfather ones. I I could be wrong, but I think they're just like cardboard. You know, like they just fold open. Like they don't. Oh. Not actual. Yeah, which, that's different. Yeah, it's and it, but I feel like that's I can't think of any recent um purchases I had. Like back in the DVD days, you would buy like a TV show on DVD, and they would all have it'd be a big box, but it would be full of those thin individual cases. And I feel like there's not that many of those nowadays. Yeah, I, I can't really think of many others I've come across. Uh, I did actually have a couple of bootleg Godzilla movies in, in cases with those dimensions. But mm-hmm. um, as far as purchases go, oh, uh, I also had a uh, an Ultraman DVD set uh, that was very similar to that, although uh, made of a cheaper material. But it also had, I think, three of those narrow uh, DVD cases in there. Uh, yeah. Overall, very nice package. But yeah, good good job, girlfriend. You did, yeah, you did good. <laughs> it was a good pick. It was now the question is, are they all going to have notes on them? That's the real question. Knowing her, yes. Uh, nice. She she's very she's very detail oriented. She's very thorough. So I would not be surprised. Oh, all right. Hey. All right. You, you know your woman. You know your special lady friend. <laughs> Now watch the next one I pick out. There's not one. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that would be. I, I hope that happens. That would be amazing. Be so funny. Okay, okay, right. bud. Well, uh, pick is to you. What? What's? Uh, what's your next one? All right. I've got my. Uh, let's see here. I've got my next one. It feels lighter. It's another. There's another slip cover. This one is opened. So I'm guessing this. I'm gonna say this is probably a movie because it feels a little lighter. Um, the slipcover is some nice, uh, it's kind of embossed. It's pretty nice. It's a pretty good slipcover. Interesting. All right, let's see what it is. Oh, okay. No surprise uh, that one of these popped up. Uh, we have a Disney movie, which uh, my girlfriend, of course, is a big Disney fan. Um, but, I mean, it is in my collection, so I guess no surprise. But it is a Disney movie I quite like, dare I say, love. And it is Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3, which uh, I think I probably would say it is my favorite Pixar film, if I had to pick one. I mean, I I watched Finding Nemo a lot when I was a kid. Um, I do really like The Incredibles. Up, I, I've only seen Up a couple times, but I do, like, Up was like, you know, I really loved it. But this one, I don't know, This I, I do think in terms of just like, just the quality of the storytelling and the characters and the humor, it it, it all kind of comes together in this one. And um, I like that it's a prison break movie, essentially. I think there's a lot of creative stuff there. And it is uh, it is pretty moving. It is pretty moving. I mean, I, I can't think of too many movies that uh, 
bring me to tears. And maybe I've only seen this a couple times, but I do think the last time I saw this, it did bring me to tears. Um, a lot of people talk about the scene with them in the furnace. That doesn't really do much for me. It's, it's more the scene with uh, Andy uh, dropping off the toys at the end. Um, you know, I just, I think I've told you this, movies and shows where people end up saying goodbye I'm a sucker for that. Like Lost in Translation, like that the before trilogy, um that shit is my it's my jam. That's what I live for. So it's no surprise that Andy saying goodbye to the toys gets me at core level. Um but yeah, it's uh it's a great film. I do only have it on Blu-ray. I know there is a 4K. I do I bought these, I think when Toy Story or I, uh no, I must have bought because I'm sure when Toy Story 4 came out, they were already on 4K. So I don't know when I bought these. I think they were on sale at some point and I bought them. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's classic. Yeah, no, um, I, I hate that cover, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it does fit the theme of the other because I think one is Woody, two is Jesse, and then three just has Buzz. But they're lame. They Yeah, pretty lame covers. I, I I agree with those first two. The third one, not so much, because like yes, the first one's a Woody story. Yes, the second one, Jesse's a big component of the narrative of that one. Yes, yeah. Buzz is a big. He's a big part of the third one, but it's like I, I don't know. It's just I don't know. I feel like they could have done something a little bit snazzier with that. But should have just been the picture um, of the furnace. That's what they should have had <laughs> on the cover. Well, the you do a you do a holographic cover with that. Yeah, it's like yeah, buzz, yeah. buzz in the furnace. Yeah. Uh yeah, so folks at home need to apologize. Uh Brad and I both just got mutually fucked by uh Zoom and uh they're very, very, very recent uh change to their regulations. Uh they now do forty minute meetings and uh, they don't like to process your video recordings as smoothly as they once did. So this is going to be an audio-only episode, unfortunately. But um, in case you're wondering, yes, the, the Blu-ray cover art to the Toy Story disc that Brad is holding up is literally just Buzz Lightyear's head on against a black background with a red border. It's I like Buzz. He's a fine character, but that is incredibly lame. <laughs> but... but uh, I think I agree with you. Like, I'm I'm actually struggling to search my memory uh, of like the the filmography of the Pixar studio, mm-hmm. uh, largely because I've I have lost touch uh, with the world of like Western animation and Japanese animation, just animation in general. Like, I just don't watch I mean, animation. You're a grown man. Why would you watch stuff for children? <laughs> Get real. No, it's I mean, entertainment. I'm joking. Is, I'm joking. It, yeah, I mean, quality entertainment comes in all shapes and sizes. It's not that I'm averse to it. It's not that I feel that way about it. It's just I haven't found my way to it in a long time. And my girlfriend also likes Disney stuff. I think she's more, in general, into musicals than Mm -hmm. Disney, like as a brand. Um, But Disney produces a lot of musical content, so that that lends itself to crossover appeal for her. Um, But yeah, like I've... I don't have the best memory of what Pixar movies I've seen. I know there's like a pretty distinct cutoff date for when I stopped watching them, but I, I think Toy Story 3 is my favorite too. It's definitely the one that resonated with me the most on an emotional level, mm-hmm. um, very much so because of the, the finale. But what really grinds my gears about that is that there's a Toy Story 4, um, which really shits on, dare I say, a perfect ending. Yeah. Uh, 
because the finale of Toy Story 3 is pretty close to perfection, at least within the confines of that particular narrative. You know, like it's not the best ending to a movie ever, but I can't think of a, a like a more beautiful way to wrap up that particular story. And now they're making more of it. Yeah, the fourth one really, I mean, it was fine. It didn't do much for me. I, I felt like they tried to make the ending very sad and profound once again. But I also felt like it sort of, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I need to rewatch it. But I, I, I'd, I'll be honest, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy Woody doing what he did at the end. Like It's like we've had four movies of this guy putting his neck out there for all these people, and then he just leaves them for a for his for his special lady friend get real get real uh, yeah abandoned special friend. lady friend who they just decided was important four movies in yeah exactly <laughs> abandon your friends and family for some hot i'm not even gonna go there <laughs> i'm gonna say some hot piece of ass but that's basically what the movie says get it's real like the, it's like the beginning of shallow hell hot young tale exactly <laughs> exactly that's what's Jeez. best in life woody <laughs> but um, uh, i mean there there are th- actually things to be said for just the times we live in and and that as a theme like maybe being more relevant today uh, to today's youth and whatnot like the idea of the chosen family rather than you know the you know biological or the family that you were raised within you know um that's a topic for other people more intelligent people to talk about uh, but um no i didn't get much out of toy story 4 i mean the the visuals are nice but of course that's a given but it, it just upsets me that that i didn't need more of this like there's so many other things that could have been done in the world of animation i, I didn't need another toy story i was very 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 happy with how toy story 3 ended yeah was better than Lightyear, though. I'll, I will say that it, it was better than Lightyear. Yeah, I mean, it was, that I heard some shit about that movie, mostly from listening to you and your girlfriend or uh, talk about the like talk about on the Cinema Speak podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, as far as I understand, aside from that fucking cat robot, uh, there's not a whole lot of good in there. Yeah, it's, um, let Toy Story die. Let it die. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make this into a different kind of podcast. But I do have. I, I need to say this somewhere. Like I'm. I'm curious about what this means for the world of international cinema going forward. Is uh, you know Disney, Pixar, like making this two hundred million dollar Toy Story connected CGI animated film that's about spacefaring like astronaut type folks, and they deliberately go out of their way to not have it screened in china mm-hmm. that, that seems like a very like that's a bold move because that that's like something that would be guaranteed to do very very well in that region like china's kind of space obsessed these days and they deliberately went out of their way to not screen it over there it's like hmm what does that mean because <laughs> that's like you know one of the biggest media like media companies in the u.s deliberately choosing to make less money than they could it's like i again i don't know these things but i just found that fascinating yeah i mean it is interesting and you know it's was a bit of a flop over here i mean not a huge flop but (laughs) yeah um yeah and i mean a lot of people were debating like why was it is it because it was the first pixar movie in three years to 
go to theaters and everybody's just used to watching it on Disney Plus. I do think I I mean this is just a theory of mine. I think uh like the name Disney Plus I think it might be coming back a little bit to bite Disney in the ass because it's great branding for their streaming service, but you think of it so like Warner Brothers their streaming service is HBO Max. The average person might not know that HBO Max is Warner Brothers streaming service. Mm-hmm. True. So the and the average person probably isn't going to know that like the new Elvis movie is a Warner Brothers movie. Like they're, the average person is going to know that. But they are going to know that a Lightyear movie is a Disney movie and they know that Disney Plus is that streaming service. So it's like they just know exactly where it's going to go and they know they can wait. Like, because they know, oh, I'm already subscribed, I can wait. But they might already be subscribed to HBO, but they don't realize that, you know, oh, Elvis is going to be there in four weeks anyway. Like, you know, it's, there's a little bit too much brand synergy there, um, which is interesting, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I seem to remember you bringing that up on your on your review of Lightyear, that, like, maybe, maybe the audiences have been trained to have expectations that these things will find their way to a to the streaming service that they're paying good money for from month to month to the point that a lot of people are just not going to the theater because because of that Mm -hmm. Um, and i I think you're absolutely right like i don't know on what scale but there's most certainly a lot of people that are choosing to consume their media that way yeah be interesting going forward to see uh see what happens it could have just been a fluke because of the concept of the movie but we'll see it's a that's kind of a harebrained concept for yeah. a movie. Like, like, try to sum that up succinctly on paper, and, and and see if a person who's not really into Toy Story can figure that out. Yeah. Like, if I showed that to my mom and dad, they would laugh me out of the room. They'd yeah. Be like, you want me to watch what? <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to that movie that there there are layers to it and even without seeing it it's like even i can tell that there are certain things that should have been done like if that was the theme that they wanted to go with they probably should have really really gone with it you know like actually make it like a a 90s disaster movie of which we were inundated with during that decade like dante's peak and volcano Mm -hmm. deep impact armageddon all that shit like Give it the sight and the sound, like give it the aesthetic flavor of those movies. Give it some fucking Michael Bay edits and some oranges and blues and stuff. But just looking at like trailer footage of it, it's like, oh, they're like they they wrote the idea down on paper, but they didn't really follow through with it. Uh, yeah. In in as many ways as they could have. Anyway, that's enough trashing Lightyear, a movie I haven't even seen, but I'm having fun anyway. So it's it's warranted. Um, it's warranted. <laughs> okay. I'm never going to see it, so I don't give a shit. Okay, well, I'm going to jump into my next pick because we are on a time limit now. We got a ticking clock factor, folks. We got Zoom fucking us (laughs) left and right. So what do we got here? Uh, Okay. It has a a slipcover. So far, uh, so good. It also has a, a, a sticky note on it. Uh, that I can feel, so I'm I'm not making a fool of myself. Okay, uh, it right. feels like it's it's a little bit embossed, but not all over. This guy's digging okay. for. He's making sure the one he grabs has a sticky note, so he doesn't make a fool of himself. <laughs> he's like, oh Shut shoot, up, that, I don't feel a sticky note on that one. Better grab another. I got it right here. Fuck off. All right. Uh, so I have here, and it was embossed on just one part of it. Uh, I have here a movie I haven't watched in a few years. Uh, Southpaw. 
Mm. Uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua, who, uh, between Brad and I, uh, I've found excuses to bring up pretty much every month for X number of months. Uh, the sticky note reads, I like boxing. That's all. That's why I love her. <laughs> she knows what the movie's about, at least. She knows what it's about. <laughs> she figured it out. <laughs> she, it's, she didn't think it's about, like, an animal living in... Tennessee oh, or God. Arkansas or something, the South, oh, South Paw. That, that would be that would depress me so badly if if somebody thought that's what South Paw referred to. Like, yeah, Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal he opens a zoo in Georgia. That's what it's about. Oh, fuck. <laughs> we bought a zoo with a bunch of left-handed lions in yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, this is South Paw, uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Forrest Whitaker, and it says and Rachel McAdams. Have you seen this, Brad? No, I've never seen it. Okay, well, spoiler alert, Rachel McAdams is most certainly an and element of the production. <laughs> that, that is to say she's in very, very, very little of the film. I don't, okay, uh, I don't want to spoil anything here, but am I, I'm, maybe I remember hearing about this. Does she, like, die in, like, the first scene or something? Or very early? Not the early? first, but, but, but yeah, early. Okay. Like r- real early, and yeah, I, I okay. wouldn't. I haven't. I haven't read the the back of the box because I've seen the fucking movie <laughs> before I bought it. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's in like the back of the box description. Right. Oh, by right. the way, featuring original new music from Eminem. Oh, it's wow. it's on the box. It's on the it's on the fucking slipcover. Uh, if memory serves, I think he was actually courted uh, to portray the character in this. Uh, like. Uh, not Jake Gyllenhaal. It was meant to be an Eminem vehicle. Hmm. Okay. Um, it worked out um, because Jake Gyllenhaal gets to do some of that acting shit. Uh, he really, really, really did knuckle down and commit to doing the boxing element of the film. Uh, it's a very handsome film from a boxing standpoint. Uh, it looks, it looks pretty good. He's a little bit stiff, like like he he's not perfect, but nobody would be if they hadn't been training, you know, from an early age. Uh, but as far as like on-screen portrayals of the sport, it's not half bad, honestly. Um, the choreography's solid, and uh, Forrest Whitaker, as always, is very engaging. Uh, he he gets it; like he knows how to play this type of gritty, like boxing trainer character. Uh, I had fun with this one. I saw this in the theater uh, because I'm a huge boxing fan, and also I I generally like Antoine Fuqua and Jake Gyllenhaal is a very committed actor, so I I was expecting it to be pretty decent, and it is. It's not. It's not an amazing boxing film by any means, but um, just looking at the box right now kind of makes me want to put it on and watch some of the highlights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not quite the the Fuqua head that you are, um, but I mean, he's uh, he's all right. He he's definitely like for me, he's like a, like a three or a three point five star filmmaker. Like you kind of go in and it's like you know he's not going to blow you away, but you know it's not going to be terrible either. He's like he's like you know. He gets he's he gets it done pretty well, um, but yeah, I I remember when that one came out. I just never got around to it for some reason. But yeah, I would like to see it, especially with uh, original music by Eminem, of course. Yeah, I, I remember the music not being embarrassing. <laughs> That's about the extent of it. But it's it's fitting that we uh we be- began this episode of the ghastly grab bag uh, talking about Mick Garris because Antoine Fuqua is like the action movie equivalent i i i'd like to say like like he's mm-hmm. as brad said he's not going to blow your hair back he's not 
going to put out any you know top tier films uh, anytime soon. But he he gets it done, and he, if you are on board with what he delivers, then you're going to have a good time. Uh, he I yeah, Mick Garris is is to horror as Antoine Fuqua is to action. Yeah, um, it seems like uh, Mr. Fuqua he's gone he's gone full streaming service though. I'm just looking at his last few films and uh, Infinite went to Paramount Plus, The Guilty Netflix, Emancipation going to Apple TV Plus. I mean, Fuqua. Uh, is he on deck to do a Equalizer three? Because I, I seem to recall Denzel or somebody trying to drum up interest about that recently. Uh, I don't see it listed here on his Wikipedia at all. Uh, apparently, he did uh, produce Bullet Train, though. He's a producer on Bullet Train. Oh wow! So, I, I was not aware of that. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do like a good boxing movie every now and then. Certainly not as much as you do. Not even close. Not even <laughs> fucking close to as much as you do. Well, um, few few people can can re- reach that level. I'm, yeah. I'm unique in that way. Like, and and that's not me being conceited or anything. Like, it, it's true. I I do have a unique appreciation for for the sport and the, and the media surrounding yeah. it. Boxing movies are kind of like westerns to me, where I need to. Well, actually, no, they're not. I because I was gonna say. <laughs> I'm full of shit. I was gonna say. I only watch the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop! Which, that is true. And I, But then I was going to say, I need to watch more like that aren't like the top of the line. And for westerns, I agree. For boxing movies, I don't necessarily agree. I'm, fi- I'm fine with just watching the ones that are like, these are the great boxing movies. I'm like, I'll stick with those. I don't need to watch Southpaw. <laughs> No, you you really don't. If that's if that's your feelings towards yeah. the subject, it you really it's not in the top tier, so okay. it shouldn't be on your to do list or anything. But um, folks at home, uh, if you're listening to the Cinema Speak podcast, which you absolutely should, uh, because well, thank it's you. hosted thank by you. Brad and it's it's wonderful uh, from week to week. Um, Brad makes liberal use of a soundboard, uh, which uh, we here at Catching Up on Cinema have totally bit off of in recent days. Uh, I've been loving fact, it, though, man. Uh, my, my co-host Kyle uh, actually directly contacted Brad uh, to, to get an explanation as to how to operate said soundboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, you used the, the, the turn of phrase, the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop! Brad, do you have a cream of the crop audio drop? I don't, and I don't actually have the soundboard pulled up right now. Um, well, I'm not asking you to do that, <laughs> but but I I will get you the ultimate cream of the crop. Cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Also, one that I really and I you know I'm not saying you need to do this, but you know if you're looking to help out in sound drops at all. One that I need that I don't know how to search for it. I need to find like a wet noodle sound drop. Like a wet, like a wet thwack. But every time I type in like <laughs> wet smack or something, all I get is like sexual sound. Dro- like I don't, I don't want oh. that. I, w- I need a wet oh. noodle sound drop and I don't, I need it. Cause I say that phrase yeah. all the time and I, I, I need to get a sound that can go along with it you do that has been a a, a bradism as of late uh, i'll yeah. tell you what I'll, while i'm doing the cream of the crop i'll see what i can do but all right uh, all right fair ex- enough expect that sometime this week okay anyway uh uh 
you you want to <laughs> do you think you can do your pick in eight minutes and 42 seconds sir we yeah we can get it in an eight eight okay. yeah we can do it yeah pick, pick is to you sir all right you got it you got a ticking clock factor now okay all right i got Guts one here to go zoom this is one, breathing down your neck no slip cover on this one no slip so i really got nothing to go on it's smooth all over i got nothing to go on it's no slip cover it's just the blu-ray let's see what it is oh okay this is a movie i haven't thought about in ages it's Midnight Special. Oh. Midnight Special. Um, directed by, of course, of course, Jeff Nichols. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Folks at home, Brad just had to read out yeah, of the back yeah. of the box. <laughs> well, the, uh, so I will say one goof I had, this was a while ago. I, so this movie came out when I was in college. Uh, it would have been my senior year of college, I believe, and I had a college radio show. That was basically like the first version of my podcast where I just I, I took a radio class and I had to do a radio show. So I said, oh, well, I'm going to talk about movies every week. I'll review movies. And I uh, said one week, I'm like, all right, next week I'm going to be reviewing Midnight Special because it was coming out in theaters. And I said it's uh, directed by the new film from Ty Sheridan. And I, I always remember that I fucked that up because Ty Sheridan is the name of the kid in Mud directed by Jeff Nichols. So... I'll never live that one down. But um, I'm not, like, the biggest Jeff Nichols fan. I know he did Mud, and uh, I, he's done more. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. But this one I actually really liked. I thought it was a really um, just, like, a, a nice, well-done Spielbergian-ish sci-fi film about a, a father protecting his son who is, like, I think he's an alien or something. I don't remember, but I see something in, uh, in that zone, and I thought it was pretty effective. I mean, you got Michael Shannon, who I, I love Michael Shannon, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Joel Edgerton. Again, I'm just reading the cover, but um, no, I, I did like this, and I really like the ending. Pretty reminiscent of Close Encounters, I would say, the ending, but it's uh, I think it's visually interesting. I think it brought a sense of uh, wonder and spectacle. And it didn't feel like it was just, like, it wasn't trying to, like, be, like, a direct copy of a Spielberg sort of thing. Like, it wasn't gross in how it was going after this thing. Like, it, it did, it is very Spielbergian and it feels that way. Um, but it didn't feel gross in that way. It felt like it was coming from just a, a loving place and not, like, a directly trying to copy. Like, comparing this to uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie, The Atom Project... Uh, which came out on Netflix earlier this year. This movie blows it away, much much better. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a solid solid little watch. It's a, it's a bit of a road trip movie as well. I believe Michael Shannon is uh, taking his kid on the run uh, from trying to escape from the authorities or something. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun one actually. I wouldn't mind watching this again. I would. This is one I might have to bump this up to the top of the watch list. Good pick. Good pick, Lizzie. <laughs> yeah our, our ladies are not letting us down um yeah yeah i uh i'm not really familiar with jeff nichols although i'm glad you you mentioned that he directed mud because that is a movie i have seen uh and on the whole i did enjoy that um but in looking at the rest of his filmography uh, it seems like he's largely inactive since midnight special um mm, yeah, yeah so I, I don't i don't know exactly what became of him but uh it's funny, actually. A, a friend of mine, uh, 
saw Midnight Special in theaters and a lot of the praise and a lot of the description you just mentioned uh, w- pretty much matches what he was telling me about. He said he also thought of it as being somewhat Spielbergian. Um, he also found it to be like, I don't know, like quaint throwback sci-fi uh, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in, a, in a way that was very, very appealing. Like he was like, yep. it, it wasn't overly noisy or overly colorful in a way that you know, we are so inundated with in the 2010s and whatnot. So uh, everybody I've talked to about this movie seems to really, really like it. So I'm I'm frankly surprised I haven't seen it yet. Um, but now I have two people that I trust telling me it's worth your time. So maybe I should add it to my to-do list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you'd like it a lot. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to hype it up too much, but I think you would enjoy it. Uh, yeah, Jeff Nichols, like, uh, he's a little bit... I wouldn't say he's hit or miss. He's mostly hit. Like I would actually say, for me, Mud might be my least favorite film that I've seen of his. To be totally honest, um, wow. Yeah, that's that is a wow. That might be a hot take because that's he's the Mud guy. He, I think of him. <laughs> I think of Mud. Um, but uh, loving, it, it's very simple and just uh, you know it doesn't really try to do too much. But I thought the performances were really good. I, I that was. Yeah, I think yeah, along with Midnight Special, his last film, um, Take Shelter. Though that I need to watch that again because I really liked Take Shelter, but I've only seen it once, and it's another one with Michael Shannon, um, and it kind of it's a little bit of a disaster film, but not really. It's a guy who keeps having visions of like impending doom or something like that, and he's not sure if they're real or he's suffering from mental illness. And uh, it's his family kind of trying, him and his family trying to wrestle with that fact and uh, him sort of being ostracized from the community for him saying that, you know, everything, the world is about to end or whatever. And uh, it, yeah, that's good. So, but yeah, I, so I, that's, that's a cool concept. I, yeah. I would be interested to check that out. Yeah. I do like Jeff Nichols. All his films are very Southern. I, I'm, I'm, he's got to be from the South because all his films either take place in the South or they have that vibe. Um, but yeah, it's, it is surprising. He hasn't done anything since 2016, but, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas is where he was born. Per, makes perfect sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not common among, you know, major film directors. So it's, that's probably a perspective that's very valuable uh, yeah. to have yeah. in, in the world of American cinema. But, uh, last thing I, I guess I'll say about this is that, uh, while he hasn't, uh, had his name attached to any finished productions since like 2016. Um, he does have a lot of stuff in the queue, like may or may or may not actually see a release, but apparently a quiet place colon day one uh, is set to release next year. Uh, and he is apparently supposed to be directing and writing. Really? Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, it yeah. must be a, a prequel. Uh I mean, that's what the title tells me. I haven't seen either of those movies, but I would expect, yes, prequel. Okay. Huh. And yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll check out anything he does. I I do like the guy, so. But, okay. yeah. Well, that's that's cool. Like, it's always cool when we, we have those those people uh, in the film world that's like, you know what? You've earned you've earned my respect to the extent that whenever you do something, I'll, I'll check it out, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, Zoom is yelling at us, so... <laughs> We'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> uh, so I guess the pick is to me again. So I'm going to reach into my sack. Uh, 
crap. Not my balls, but a plastic case of some sort. Okay. Um, feels like a DVD case. Yeah, other than that, it's just a DVD case. And yes, it does have a note on it. As I said, the gal is consistent. Uh, <laughs> so this is going to make you puke also because it's a DVD, but also because it still has the price tag on it. Ooh. <laughs> and it came yes. from Half Price Books. So it's used, it's in decent condition, and it, it a little bit overpriced. $5? Fuck you. Uh, okay, so I have here Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Mm. Yes, uh, starring Jason Scott Lee, no relation. Um, and this is a Rob Cohen film who kind of, I don't know, there, there's a thing about Rob Cohen where it's like he's a, he's, a, he's another one of those like workman-like directors where it's like he, he, he gets it done. Like he, yeah. if you give him your money, he'll get it, he'll get it back to you. You may even put a few extra bills on that stack too. But he's, he's not like a household name. He's not everybody's favorite or anything. He just gets it done. I'm pretty sure he's been canceled, though. I think he. Uh, I, I think he's well. Shit. <laughs> he, he's the Fast and Furious guy, right? The first one, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he got canceled, but not before he did the cinematic uh, masterpiece, The Hurricane Heist. Which oh, I need to watch that. It is. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Rob Cohen, you're a terrible human being. We all hate you. But thanks for the hurricane. Heist. Let me just confirm that before we. Uh, but go ahead, you go ahead. Okay, so the uh, the post-it note reads: "I feel like Bruce Lee never needs a reason," and that is true. Like Bruce Lee never does need a reason to be included in any discussion. Uh, but yeah, this is the highly fictionalized uh, Bruce Lee story, as the uh, the name implies. Um, yeah, uh, this movie is super melodramatic and corny as fucking hell um but i don't know it has a quality to it that makes it incredibly watchable um on the whole it's a well-rounded production it has a, a actually a very uh, memorable soundtrack by um i'm actually gonna have to look up his name randy edelman that's not a surprise to me uh the score for this movie the theme music is uh one of the more heavily utilized um trailer tracks that uh that was used in like the 90s like any inspirational or coming of age story movie like you could slap the theme for this music on like in the trailer for those movies and it would work beautifully um so it's one of those weird pieces of music where it's like we all know this but where is it from and then i'm that idiot in the back he's like it's for dragon the bruce lee story <laughs> it's like yeah i didn't see that it's like yeah i know I know. Very few people did. <laughs> so like, actually, I think this movie probably did all right, but not a fantastic action movie. Jason Scott Lee, uh, also product of Hawaii, by the way. Uh, so, of course, I have to back my boy. Um, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, half of my family's from Hawaii. Uh, so it's any time a Hawaiian makes it in media, we got we to gotta back our boy. So Jason Scott Lee, Tia Carrera, we love both of you, and both of you found your way into Lilo and Stitch. For good for you, so good for you, good for you getting that Disney money. <laughs> but um, he really, really shows up for this film. Um, he got in fantastic shape for it. He doesn't actually bear any resemblance to Bruce Lee at all, um, but he does a very, very good job of trying to replicate the mannerisms and the postures and whatnot. 
um, and even some of the speech affect and whatnot. Um, yeah, not a super strong recommend to anyone, honestly, but uh, if you're in the mood for some, you know, cheesy martial arts melodrama or something, uh, emphasis on melodrama, um, might be worth your time. Plus, it has the 90s nostalgia factor going for it as well. Yeah, the, the, just based on the cover, it does look and feel very 90s from what I can tell. Extreme. Um, and I will say probably, uh, you know, maybe it, it is a good thing that you... Uh, bought that used because uh yeah rob cohen has been canceled so it's actually good okay. thing you bought it used i guess i mean <laughs> yeah i'm not giving any of my money to the cohen estate no no um but yeah that's uh i would say i'd be curious to watch that but i probably need to actually watch some bruce lee movies before i do because uh he, that is a blind spot for me in my filmography even though i do own the uh criterion set have not popped it open yet. I mean, I've, I've opened it, but I haven't watched it. So probably would need to watch those before I put the uh, Rob Cohen, Bruce Lee film to the top of the pile. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'd be curious to check it out at some point. Yeah, not, not a super strong recommend, but yes, you definitely should uh, take the time to watch some Bruce Lee. I mean, there's not that much out there. I mean, he's pretty much the james dean of martial arts cinema mm-hmm. he has like a half dozen five movies under his belt uh, i mean not including like television appearances and whatnot or Marlowe or whatever the fuck that movie was where he kicks the lamp and falls out a window uh, <laughs> but um yeah i uh, i feel like a lot of the appeal of dragon the bruce lee story really does come down to the 90s nostalgia though it, it very much has like a you had to have been there kind of feel to it if, if I'm being totally honest, where there were a lot of schmaltzy, melodramatic, like, I don't know, romance slash, like, inspirational tales being put out in the 90s. So there's a there's a particular vibe that it carries that was very much of its time, but not an amazing movie, downright hokey and silly at times. Uh, but, you know, it, it has it has some appeal to it. It's not bad by any means but yeah rob cohen sucks yeah <laughs> apparently yeah well, yeah and it does and so it does like kind of lean into some of the like uh some like more fantastic elements oh uh, oh yeah. yeah let me let me uh hold this up so you can't really see it very well but bruce lee is fighting an armored man in the rain there okay that's a recurring motif in the film where an evil spirit as embodied by a giant super shredder-esque figure attacks him and his son in his dreams and the finale of the movie is him fighting the super shredder in the rain with a pair of magical nunchucks that manifest uh i think as an extension of his self-confidence and then he chokes out super shredder okay to defeat the evil demon that his father told him was uh trying to eliminate the bloodline which may actually have been told to him. I would not I, be surprised at all. I think it was. That sounds familiar. I think because uh, there's an episode of uh, Cursed Films about the crow, and yeah. I feel like they, they get into like the Lee curse a bit, so I would not be surprised if that is, if they're, you know, that is based in something at least. No, I mean, I would not be surprised at all if that actually was something that was told to him from an early age. Mm-hmm. Like his, his, his dad, you know... <sighs> Bruce Lee, actually, if, if memory serves, he was not uh, pure-blood Chinese. I think he was actually like a quarter uh, German or something. Mm. Um, but 
yeah, he his dad was Chinese. I think he was an actor, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he was a little a little superstitious. Maybe maybe into some crystals or something like like yeah. a lot of a lot of celebrities are today. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, choosing to uh, enact that physically, like express that like physically and visually for the finale of the film was a choice. Um, it's, it's it's a strange movie in that regard, but. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe give it a look after you've watched a couple of Bruce Lee movies. See how you feel. And did this come out after uh, Brandon Lee passed away? Oh, it may have come out like right around the same time. Because I mean, was there any consideration to have him star in it? Oh, uh, the Crow was what ninety four, maybe. Boy, I don't know. Because this, because th- this is ninety three. Um, I almost want to say it was yeah, ninety two. Oh no, yeah, ninety four. You're right, ninety four. I mean, that's that's when it came out, though. Yeah, that, uh, so yeah, that's true. I, I, who knows what the post production time would have been for a production like that? But I wouldn't be surprised if he was he was courted. I know his uh his career in Hollywood, The Crow, was kind of going to be like a part of the big push um, because he was kind of you know not not exactly excelling as an actor like he, he of course had the screen presence and whatnot like very similar to his dad um, but if you look at his filmography up to that point it's not like he was a, a major headlining star the crow was kind of his arrival honestly yeah. like he yeah. was doing fucking showdown in little tokyo as a second banana to dolph lundgren and stuff um and rapid fire which a few people saw and maybe a maybe a movie in hong kong prior to all that um but yeah actually that that i haven't looked into that i don't know if he was ever asked uh to be in the film but it would have been kind of silly to not yeah that's just the kind of i was like i'm you know i mean the timing was perfect (laughs) really yeah yeah i'll have to look into that actually i'd be curious yeah um well cool back over to me then yep all right okay we have Slipcover. We are slipcovered on this one. We're covered up. It is opened. No real. Yeah, it's a smooth slipcover. Nothing really much to go off of there. The Blu-ray. Yeah, it's, we're we're smooth all around. So I, and there's no way I'm going to be able to guess this. <laughs> but the film is. Oh, okay. It's a film I haven't seen. Um, it is. The uh, Clint Eastwood directorial debut, I do believe, Play Misty for Me, put out lovingly by Kino. And uh, this is one that I've been wanting to see for... So, I'll go back. Let's go back to when I was a young boy. When I was a young boy and we had cable and there there was, there is a channel called Bravo... Oh, Bravo. And the only thing I ever watched on Bravo was every Halloween they came out with a... They had a special called 100 Scariest Movie Moments. And I watched it every Halloween. And I gotta say, got some good recommendations from that. Might have uh, fueled... Not that there wasn't already a love of horror, but it certainly just engulfed the flames in gasoline. Um, And I watched it. I loved it. I loved the countdown. Just that it was... great well put together you can, i think you can watch it on youtube but they also had a version a sequel that was called 
30 even scarier movie moments. Because they how are they going to one-up it? They already had the scariest movie moments. They're going to one-up it, 30 even scarier ones. And I do believe this was featured in the 30 even scarier movie moments. And it is a uh, film about a uh, stalker. Uh, I, I think it's uh, the guy's... A ra- I think Clint Eastwood plays a radio DJ who uh, has a stalker listener. So, yeah, I should... This, this could happen to me, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess I should watch this. Maybe get some tips. Um, but, no, it stars... Um, what's her name? Jessica Walter, who uh, recently passed away a couple years ago. Uh, which, that sucks. Because... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that they were ever going to do a season of Arrested Development again after the shit show that came from the Jeffrey Tambor stuff, but... You know, I yeah, we I don't talk it. about him either. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the whole he thing hangs of, out with Rob Cohen too much. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the thing of the some of the co-stars trying to defend him, and it was just a Ooh. mess. So I there was no chance we were ever going to get another season of that show. But I did love her on there, and uh, yeah, I, I would I would really like to watch this. And again, I've said it before. I've said it multiple times in this show. Like boxing movies, like Bruce Lee movies, like westerns, Clint Eastwood's directorial efforts. I've seen most of his recent stuff, and I think it's garbage, to be totally <laughs> honest with you. But I do want to go back and watch some of his uh, other films, because I know he is an acclaimed filmmaker. And um, I've never seen this one. I've never seen Unforgiven. Uh, I, w- I really want to watch um, the, uh, the, what is it, The Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima. That yeah. I, that's a like I I don't know how good they are, but that's a great concept. I think uh, releasing those two movies within the same year, um, mm-hmm. and I think Letters from Iwo Jima was pretty acclaimed when it came out. Um, yeah, it's it's the better of the two. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no surprise. Um, but yeah, I, so this uh, I know I, I actually recently bought um, a decent amount of Kino uh, Clint Eastwood. They released quite a few uh, Clint Eastwood directorial films, and in one of their sales, I kind of stocked up on a few of them. So, yeah. Um, you know, the bummer with this is uh, Kino. They've been putting out so many 4Ks. It'll probably come out on 4K before I uh, watch the Blu-ray, but that's how it goes. Yeah, that's life. such is the life of the collector. Yeah. Um, but uh, you and I, I guess, uh, both have similar connections to Clint Eastwood's like directing like filmography um i i do have plenty of blank spots i need to fill in there but i have i have seen a fair amount of his stuff not a lot of his newer stuff though because of yeah i've heard some shit uh even like even directly from brad on the cinema speak podcast cry macho gets uh Get shot on pretty regularly (laughs) and it's not even his worst recent film that uh 1517 to paris whoo that was but, but bizarre. You know, I, I I do remember you saying that. But uh, Richard Jewell, I quite liked for he, the most part. You know, every once in a while, a broken clock is right at least twice a day. <laughs> no, I, I I didn't care much for uh, the way Olivia Wilde was directed in that film. I don't think her. I don't think she did anything wrong. I think no. she was told to to embody a specific archetype Mm -hmm. that i found very obnoxious but beyond that i thought it was a very solidly constructed and brilliantly acted film in a lot of ways yeah i Um, I agree with you yeah no i I, i'm glad i watched that movie i i got a lot out of it but um 
Unforgiven's excellent. I'm I'm looking for excuses to rewatch that. In fact, I, next time I watch that, it's going to be on 4K because I don't own it and I haven't seen it since probably the late 90s, honestly. Um, but Play Mystery for me, I... T- shit. I could be wrong, but I think I remember my dad talking about that one. Um, it's very like Clint Eastwood is is the dad filmmaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like he makes films for dads, honestly. But um, I do seem to remember him saying that something. Like I think the the title comes from like the stalker character like calling into the radio station and requesting a song, put Misty. Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. But yeah, I do remember my dad talking it up like as a movie that he saw when he was a young man and he enjoyed it or, or it probably totally sucks or something like that happens. That happens so often with my dad where he'll he'll like spend decades talking up some old fucking movie and then I get around to watching it. And I'm like that like like, for instance, I, I think I got my first Scorpion releasing disc recently uh, just a few weeks before the passing of James Caan, by the way, mm. it was the killer, the killer elite, okay, which is a late era Sam Peckinpah movie, and I do like Sam Peckinpah quite a bit as a director. That movie sucks, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's really not good. But my dad, when I was a kid, he kept telling me how cool it was. He's like, "Yeah, this is part where this dude gets like shot in the legs. It's crazy, fucking violent," and I'm like. It's bloody, like, <laughs> and then like random ninjas, and, like, but they're not they're not calling them ninjas because I don't think Americans knew what those were in the seventies. <laughs> You're like, the this fucking sucked. This is what's been hyped up my entire life. Yeah, and like the Pope of Greenwich Village. I sent you an audio drop from that for your buddy Charlie. Um, <laughs> Eric Roberts screaming, Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. They took my thumbs. But aside from like one or two cool moments and Burt Young, that movie's not very good. <laughs> my dad talked it up like it was the coolest fucking thing ever. But yeah, Play Misty for me, I don't know a whole lot about. But speaking of boxing, uh, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, that I actually like that one. Um, that's the I one I read, haven't seen. Yeah, I did read the book that's based on. Mm. I think I think it's called Rope Burns. Uh, it's okay. It, it's a short i think it's a series of short stories if memory serves but um the movie's quite good uh very good performances overall you know i'll 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 take back a little bit what i said about clint eastwood because richard jewell you're right that was pretty good the mule was actually not like it's weird his movies are like not well i feel like they're not well directed but like i don't know there's (laughs) something like something it was charming like because he was in the lead role and it was kind of just like watchable and fun like Sully was okay, I don't know. It's really Cry Macho in the fifteen seventeen of Paris were just so bad that yeah. And I've heard parts of American Sniper are pretty cringe as well. It's it's not good. It's not like embarrassingly. I mean, I guess the the baby scene that everyone talks about that is pretty bad, but it's not. Well, I mean, that's that's a very small thing. Yeah, know? I would say it's not embarrassing. I mean, you could you could go at it in terms of like, is it embarrassing from a you know, w- making a movie about... I know there was controversy about just the... Yeah, speaking of people that we don't talk about anymore. Yeah. But, <laughs> Chris I, you know, Kyle at least fuck. it was competently made. I, I still will say, you know, never uh, never doubt, you know, people's love for military movies, I guess, because, like, I went and saw that movie. It was, like, a Saturday afternoon. The weekend it opened, and I was like, oh, it's going to be dead. It's a Saturday afternoon some Clint Eastwood movie 
I was shocked at how packed. Like I walked into the theater just to, and turned to go like sit, and I was just like a wall of people. I was like, "Wow!" Like I've never been that surprised at how big a movie was. Like that movie just. No, th- that movie was uh, highly politicized in a lot of ways, but in in general, like war movies have they will attract an audience like mm-hmm. even internationally but like especially in this country like if, if you put war in a movie people will show up <laughs> like yeah like it, it's it's science like i don't know exactly the nature of the science but it's science to to quote ron, ron burgundy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay well uh being as we are on a, a hustle uh to get to through this uh i'll jump in here and just do my next pick okay uh it's a uh oh it's a it's a box set of some sort Mm -hmm. it's it's foldable it has paper on the outside plastic on the inside it definitely can you figure it out no i'm trying but it 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 opens out it unfurls if you will but it doesn't have a slip cover not i can't get it okay uh (laughs) okay so i have more uh used items although this was two dollars brad oh wow uh, from half on clearance at half price books um and the sticky note simply reads this just looked fun (laughs) and it's half right i guess uh so this is also a dvd i am so fucking sorry brad that's all right Uh, this is viva la raza the legacy of Eddie Guerrero, uh, who is a d- now deceased uh, WWF or WWE wrestler, um, he uh, he passed away, I believe, in the late two thousands. Um, very untimely death as well, because he was a very young man. He was probably I don't know late thirties, early forties, um, and not only that, he had very 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 recently uh just won the uh, heavyweight championship which is you know the highest honor you can have basically as an active wrestler mm-hmm. um do you know this guy at all brad like no. I know you're not a like a wrestling guy but um he was phenomenal uh, yeah he was absolutely phenomenal um he was a he was a huge component of wcw in the 90s he was one of the cruiserweights which is basically code for the little guys who do all the flippy shit. Um, he was like one of the very best they had on offer. He put on some of the very best matches of that era, uh, criminally underappreciated for years on end because he was thought of as being undersized uh, and he was routinely placed on the undercard, but didn't stop him from stealing the show. And then uh, he kind of put the icing on his own cake by... Uh, like revealing to the public that oh not only am i a phenomenal technical wrestler also if you put a mic in my face i'm pretty fucking funny um so he was very he was a very affable personality and he made a lot of uh gimmicks that should not have worked work um (laughs) none of which i'm going to repeat on the mic because I, i don't want to get in trouble but he he probably had a hand in coming up with some of these ideas but i had a lot of i really enjoyed watching eddie guerrero uh, back in the day um it was really sad when he died um and that, that's basically a documentary as well as uh, i think it's four discs or some shit wow uh three discs uh with a booklet 
nice so little package, though. It is, it is a documentary, though, you said, right? It is a documentary on the first disc, and then the other two discs are uh, interviews and matches. So just mm. like a best of. Um, and he has... he It, it warrants a three-disc package because he really does have an incredible resume. Um, and yeah, uh, it looks wow. like the last match they have here is... Uh, against Dave Batista mm, in 2005 wow. uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship. So um, that was yeah. two bucks you said you bought that for? Uh-huh. That's a pretty good deal, I got to say. Oh, I mean, that's part of why I bought it, where it's like nowadays we have like Peacock and stuff, which gives you free access like with ads uh, to pretty much all the mainstream wrestling you could ever want. Um, but th- back then, it's like, shit. I'll, I'll buy a compilation of you know the best matches from one of my favorite guys for two dollars <laughs> i mean even nowadays like first of all it's dvd so i don't care about it i don't really care about wrestling like you said it's probably all on peacock but for two dollars i mean i might even pop on that i mean just use it as a paperweight even i mean like that's a steal yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it covers festive. It's fun. It like, is. I, I mean, mean, even even my girlfriend who only knows about wrestling, what I tell at her when she's trying to cook, <laughs> like like even she thought this looked kind of fun. So you know, two dollars, well spent. Eye catching cover sounds like a sounds like an interesting figure. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah. No, it, highly recommended. If if you ever find yourself in the mood to uh, to check out some wrestling, uh, him and Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc. I think it may have been like ninety. It's like ninety six through ninety eight around there. One one of the best matches you'll ever see. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'll yeah. keep that in mind. I'll keep that at the top of the wrestling pile for when I. <laughs> no, you won't, Brad. <laughs> there is no wrestling pile. <laughs> Uh, yeah, unfortunately, no, but I do a peacock, so. You know. Yeah, you're not going to use it for that, though. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, you're okay, right. Okay, Brad. Well, right. what, is, what is your next pick, sir? Next one, uh-oh, oh boy. It's another one that's unopened. Brad, like, before you yank that out, before you, you, before you show me, um, what would you say the ratio is to opened and unopened in, at the Brad house? I would say ninety nine percent opened. So I don't know if this okay. is. A, I, I don't know if I'm getting trolled right now. Um, that is, she's she's picking all my unopened ones, trying to embarrass me here. Maybe. Could maybe be. she's trying to tell you something. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, you got the, like this one's not open, Brad. Maybe but you should consider it. If it is, if it was on my new release shelf, then it makes sense that it wouldn't be open. So I'm gonna go and say that it was on the new release shelf. Or the newly purchased shelf. I'm going to say that. No slipcover. And I'm going to say something here. That there is a sticker on it. And I do believe this was purchased at FYE. For your oh. entertainment. I'm going to go out on a limb and say <laughs> that's where it was purchased. I don't know what it could be. But oh, I'm going to okay. say that it was a FYE purchase. And it is. It, it was an FYE purchase. And it's timely. It is a timely film. Not politically or anything like that. Um, it is timely because there is a uh, prequel coming out, and it is the movie Orphan. Orphan. Oh. Which uh, I have not seen in quite some time, but I was browsing my local FYE uh, maybe a month or two ago, 
And you know, I'm always looking for any excuse to buy something there. I just I like I want to support them. I I, I need to give them my money. And I said, you know what? I know there, there's an orphan prequel coming out, and this was only uh, nine ninety nine, new, unopened. And I said, yeah, let's pop on it. I'm probably gonna want to watch this before the new one. So uh, yeah, orphan. I don't remember much from it, and this is this. You can tell this is an old Blu-ray. This is an old. This was uh, probably could this yeah, could have been a, at home. It has that like old standardized packaging on the back. Yeah. It has a it has a design aesthetic, a layout that was just kind of an across the board like well, this is what we're using as a template for Blu-ray for the time being. I mean, this might have been uh, one of the films to try and lure people away from uh, HD DVD. This could have been if you want to watch Orphan, you gotta ditch your HD DVD and go Blu-ray. Oh yeah, this this is one of those Blu-rays that has an unskippable trailer for blu-ray when yeah. you put it into the machine yeah. <laughs> um yeah i uh don't remember too much from it but i will say it is directed by my boy maybe your boy too i can't remember do you like this guy uh yame colette sarah oh i love him he's yeah great. and um i didn't know that at the time i didn't but yeah uh i i, I mean i liked i watched the house of wax remake i thought it was fun I like pretty much most, if not all, of his Liam Neeson films. I like The Shallows. This guy gets it done. Other than Jungle Cruise, which I thought was not good, um, the I, this guy delivers. I don't think he's directing the Orphan prequel, Orphan First Kill, which uh, if he was, I would be hyped. I would honestly be hyped for it. Now, I have to say that I don't want to spoil, because I feel like, the. have you seen Orphan? I have, and I actually okay. really enjoy it. But yeah. I understand what you what you're trying not to spoil for anybody who w- might want to see it. Well, the yeah, I won't spoil the ending, but it is very interesting that the um, actress is the same actress from the in the new one. It is the same actress playing. Really? Yeah. Which huh. I'm very curious to see how they are going to pull that off. I think they might have released a trailer. I don't think I watched the trailer, but um, yeah, I, I remember because I kind of read about the movie and that it was the same actress and um, just yeah, it just you know I won't say any more. But I'm, I'm very interested to see how they're going to have her, um, how they're going to have her play a little girl. You know, it's it's a prequel to or yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious how they're going to manage to line it up with how she looks in the in the first um but yeah it's uh it's it's a not a bad little horror film i think yeah it is a little long it is two hours um but you got not a bad cast vera farmiga and what's his name uh peter sarsgaard so yeah this is this is one i'm actually i i'm kind of excited to rewatch this like very excited and this was on the new newly purchased shelf so yeah, good good pick, bud. Like, and and way to go doing the Lord's work, uh, giving that money to Fye. Because as far as I know, we don't even have those out here anymore uh, no. in Seattle. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, I I enjoyed Orphan and a uh, uh, Homey Colette Sarah. Uh, he 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 has a unique quality to him that I I really appreciate. Where it's like he seems to go out of his way to tackle like 
cheesy or audacious like genre films things that on paper just sound utterly ridiculous mm-hmm. where it's like oh that just sounds stupid and then he like through the power of filmmaking and effort and and focus and vision it makes it not that where it's like he he lends it some dignity and and lends it some some creative vision that that makes it into a a, a far stronger vision than you would have expected and his uh his choices like his artistic choices when it comes to presentation in particular there's always some sort of visual gimmick like even if it's just for a couple of scenes here and there like he's always trying to do to probably do more than his budget will allow and i i, I love shit like that mm-hmm. it's like the I don't know. Just I'm just thinking about like some of the cinematography and the editing and things like the Shallows or some of those Liam Neeson films. Uh, did he do the the Commuter? I think so. That, and that's the one I, I wasn't he did. quite as crazy about. I will say, I think he did it that is, one. It is the lesser. It is the lesser of those collaborations. But from a stylistic standpoint, there is some there's some inspiration behind mm-hmm. some of the cinematography and some of the editing in there. There's certain scenes in there that didn't have to be as complex. Uh, as they chose to render them and i appreciate stuff like that and same goes for the shallows as well Um, that movie has a pace uh, and a quality to its editing that you don't find just anywhere Um, and orphan uh, i don't remember as much of that kind of quality to it but i do remember from an aesthetic standpoint it was punching well above its weight like it's a very handsome movie to look at Uh, the production design that house uh, whoever scouted that location or built those sets did a fantastic job because that's that's a wonderful s- location to set a story in. Um, mm-hmm. And the 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 uh, blacklight drawings made me laugh uh, because that was a little a little much. <laughs> I was like, wow, she had a lot of time on her hands. <laughs> um, but but you know, it's like you got to find some way to make this story interesting, and you may as well do that in the form of giving it very strong visual sense and and that reveal as goofy as uh, as, as it is i i enjoyed it i i, I, I like that good movie. ending i think it's a good yeah. i mean if you're gonna go if you're gonna make this kind of movie like that's that's where i want you to go like i i like that yeah, I mean it's it's very Twilight Zone esque. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something like that. <laughs> but yeah. I liked it. I, I enjoy Orphan, and I I look forward to any future movies that guy has. He's he's on my list of of he made a movie. Sure, I'll check it out. I gotta see just real quick who is directing Orphan First Kill. William Brent Bell. I know that name. Why do I know that name? I he, don't. He did The Boy and The Boy 2. Oh, no. I have heard some shit about oh, The Boy. I've seen The Boy. Yikes, actually. When, ooh, he's he, he also did The Devil Inside, which was horrible. Horrible. Oh, no. One of, I mean, one of the worst movies I've maybe ever seen, like... Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, cer- certainly the worst movie I've ever seen. Like at a Thursday night screening of, like we went to see it. Like this is back in high school. Like you know, new horror movies coming out. Oh, let's go see it on Thursday night. We got nothing better going on, and it was horrible. It is. is Brad, is is that connect the cuts? Yep. Yep. That's connect the cuts. It, 
<laughs> so bad. Like just oh my god, aesthetically the ending it I mean there I can't there's n- literally I can't say anything good about it. It is easily a zero star film. Like it is so bad. Um Yikes. Well, uh, maybe uh, I mean controversial take, but maybe uh maybe the studio is trying to cash in on the Russia Ukraine conflict and they're going to like <laughs> like like demonize the the orphan as being like an eastern european horror (laughs) maybe yeah i i don't know i mean i will say uh, that that does not that does not sound good no i i don't see that working out the i will say the boy is a a bad movie but it's a huge step up from that piece of garbage (laughs) he also did a movie last year called separation with Brian Cox, I gotta well, I gotta go I gotta go through and watch all this guy's movies before Orphan for First Kill. I gotta do a Brent Bellathon. I I would be curious to hear uh, about that separation film. Do, yeah. do a micro review of that one if you got time. I gotta ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well Zoom is yelling at me again. How you feeling, Brad? Do you wanna you wanna call this one our our last reset? Yeah, that, that we can do that. Yeah, I've only I think I've only got one more. I think that's okay. Yeah. Okay, because this is getting obnoxious. Yeah. Okay. We're back. We're back. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, pick is to me once again, and I'm just gonna yank one out real quick here. Giggity giggity. Uh, okay. What do we got here? It's a DVD. Fuck. This woman grabbing all my DVDs, making Brad vomit constantly. Oh boy. Okay. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> I have here on DVD, collector's edition, question mark, uh, The Jackal, starring Bruce Willis and wow. Richard Gere, in that order. Can I uh, can I tell you, before you get into The Jackal, can I just tell you that uh, the only thing I can say about The Jackal is that when my parents first bought a DVD player, I don't know where they bought it from abc warehouse or whatever but it came with five they got five free dvds and one of them was the jackal and i never i was young so i it was rated r i believe so i never watched the jackal but it was always one that i would look at and just like i probably i've probably stared at that back cover more time spent more time staring at the back cover than you have watching the actual movie Haunted your dreams. I wanted to watch The Jackal. You know, as I hold this in my hand, and actually, you know what's really cool about this whole process, Brad? It's like I'm, like, I'm, I have these sticky notes, so I, like, I know what the, what the girlfriend's perception of these films is. Mm-hmm. So I can just like leave these out and and just be like, hey, you want to watch a movie? I know you do. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very curious like, just, why she picked The Jackal. It's very simple. Uh, post-it note reads: Bruce Willis and Richard Gere. I mean, come on. So apparently, these these dudes do it for her. I guess so. Yeah. I don't look anything like these dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Although she's probably not aware that Richard Gere has an Irish accent, a phony Irish accent throughout oh. this entire film. Okay. I know some people had issue with that. <clears throat> I thought he did okay. Um, he's supposed to be like an ex-IRA terrorist you know that was a thing in 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 the in uh 
American cinema in the 90s. It was a thing in, you know, Irish history in like the 70s for, and for many decades. But in American cinema, we were really afraid of Irish terrorists in the mm-hmm. 90s for some reason. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie is uh, based on the television series The Day of the Jackal, which... Uh, what movie was it where they, uh, they made a joke about it? It was the day all the toilets in the country were flushed simultaneously because everybody was trying to like hold their pee for the finale of day of the jackal. Oh yeah. That's a joke in a movie. I forget what movie it is, but that's a really good joke. Anyway, the TV show was really popular, but this is simply the jackal, uh, who is Bruce Willis in the film. I really, really like this movie. I don't know what it is about it. A lot of it actually, um, has to do with the soundtrack. Uh, composed by someone that you will know uh, Kyle will not know but you will know Carter Burwell oh yeah yeah that's the Coen Brothers guy right precisely mm-hmm. um, he uh, he shows the fuck up for this and he uh, his his themes in this film his score for this film excellent uh, not ever talked about in public as far as I know but um, I have several tracks from this score like on an old iPod somewhere I used to walk around this shit because I found it really really good um and some i know this movie probably gets uh shat on a lot for uh, bruce willis's acting in it i thought he did fine like the whole gimmick is that he's wearing he's operating under numerous identities that he switches back and forth between depending on where he is or what he's doing because he's doing like a covert operation he's trying to conceal his actual identity and so it results in him like portraying a lot of like somewhat cartoonish like like archetypes and whatnot and i seem to recall like some people thinking it was goofy and he didn't do a good job i thought he did just fine sydney poitiers in this fucking sydney they call me mr tibbs poitiers in this in a supporting role jack black it's i spoiler alert jack black has something really 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 bad happen to him uh in in one of his uh very early roles in cinema jack blackle the Jack Blackle? <laughs> the, the Jack Blackle? <laughs> yeah, the Jack Blackle is in here. And uh, as was the style at the time, something really, really bad happens to him. As you'll recall, the same thing kind of happened in uh, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, yeah. It, it, the late 90s, early 2000s were not a happy time for Jack Blackle. <laughs> he, he, he got wrecked in cinema a lot. <laughs> uh, we just talked about it last week on the show. Um, Mars Attacks, mm. late 90s, Jack Blackle. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he got he he most certainly got melted in that. He movie. put in his work. He put in his work. <laughs> yeah, he was an up and comer. I mean, he was a few years removed from what Never Ending Story three or whatever the fuck. <laughs> he was making some headway in the industry. Yeah, 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 and he got to share the fucking screen with Bruce Willis. He did good, and uh, we all love Jack Black. But yeah, uh, the Jackal. Looking at that DVD, I'm, I'm like, man, I really want to watch the Jackal. And not only that. I really want to see if there's like a, a Blu-ray, like a good Blu-ray or a 4K of the Jackal, because I seriously doubt there's a good Blu-ray of it. But I personally would, would really want to check it out. Um, looks like there was a, there is a Blu-ray. Um, let's see. Don't know how good it is. It's only nine ninety nine on Amazon, though. So It's probably like... Oh, it's probably one of those early Universal discs or something that very similar to your Orphan disc, where it's just like it it does the job. Well, there there was um, it looks like it was released in 2010, and that would probably be the you know 
original printing, but it did receive a, a re-release in 2017. Hmm. Um, I'm guessing it's probably the same disc, but the packaging probably at least looks slightly better. Eh. I, you know, I, I hope it gets some special treatment someday. I, I highly doubt it. I don't think it's a especially well-remembered um, film, but I watched this quite a lot uh, in the late 90s. Um, and yeah, just holding it in my hand, it's like, oh, kind of forgot about that one. Good job, Rohan. <laughs> yeah, I, I should go grab my parents' DVD and... Oh yeah, you yeah. Sh- you need to exercise that demon, man. You got you you got to take the exact disc that haunted your dreams and rip it open. Yeah, there was the that. There was the mask with Jim Carrey. That was one that I actually did watch, um, quite a bit. There was also a I think it was a romantic comedy with Matthew Perry or something. I don't remember. Oh fuck! I mean, was Bruce Willis in it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't the the whole whatever yard Nine yards. no no it was, it was, i'm pretty sure it was a romance um okay. there's a couple others too but the jackal was definitely one of them so there you okay. go well highly recommended um okay. like i said you may want to look up some actual critics reviews of it um because i don't i think i am in the minority uh when it comes to i think you positive are yeah. assessments yeah I, I don't think a lot of people like this movie but i do so okay. fuck all right. fuck hey, all fair y'all. enough anyway yeah Brad, what is your pick? Do you got any left? Yeah, I think. Um, unless this was just one that I had on the floor. Um, <laughs> but I believe this is the last one of the stack. Slipcover, okay. embossed, opened. Let's see, can I f- make out the letter in here? No, no, no way. Let's just see. Oh, I, I actually sort of predicted that this one would uh, be chosen. Certainly not a random grab off the shelf um which is fine totally fine it is a 4k first 4k i've uh, pulled up and uh it's a movie that lizzie likes a lot and uh she is always trying to get us to watch this and even though i did like the film i don't really have much of a desire to rewatch it and it is the uh sequel to mama mama mia mama mia here we go again which um, I saw at the drive-in, and uh, it was, you know, I'm not a big musical guy, gotta be honest, but I actually had a pretty good time with this. I don't know, I can't really say why I liked this one versus the um, original Mamma Mia, which I fell asleep during. Um, we she we went where we were like, okay, we're gonna go see Mamma Mia. Here we go again, and I was like, I never seen the first Mamma Mia, so it was on Netflix, and we sat down to watch it. I made it about 40 minutes in and I was out. Didn't do much for me, but I, I think this one, maybe it's just uh, the musical numbers are a little more flashy, a little more fun, a little more stylish. I do like, um, what's her name? Lily James playing the young Meryl Streep character. Uh, I like, you know, you got the sort of a, there's a flashback. There's sort of two timelines. You have the young version of the characters and the older version of the characters. And uh, yeah, it's not uh not a bad, not a bad a little musical film. I had more fun with it than I thought I would, and I do believe I purchased this. This was a Black Friday purchase, probably nine ninety nine. I said, well, whatever. I'll, I might pop on a Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Well, I might want to pop that in at some point and watch it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was you know, it was a fun little fun little drive in experience for sure. That's super cool, man. 
Uh, I haven't actually seen either of the Mamma Mia films. However, uh, I'm kind of shocked that that's the case as a, a good friend of mine who I used to work work for uh, in Olympia, just south of Seattle. Uh, uh, his mom, uh, every day I'd drop him off after work at his, at his mom's uh, craft store. And I swear every fucking time, like every single day, Mamma Mia was on on it like on an lcd television in the back of that office every single day wow. <laughs> so so i probably collectively have seen like 70 percent of that movie just by walking in and out of that store on the daily and just having it on the background um, but i've never actually sat down and watched it but um it's funny because i remember a lot of people like talking about how like why is meryl streep doing this and like why is Robert De Niro doing all these stupid like family comedies and stuff? And like, I, I can't help but feel that a lot of those types of projects, I mean, Robert De Niro's case, it's apparently cause he's got deaths and stuff, but like, but I want to say part of that has to do with their background as actors in particular, Meryl Streep, where it's like, this is not a thing that she has done. Therefore, even though on the outside, it may seem like a lesser challenge it's a unique challenge to, to her. It's like she hasn't done on like on film really like musical work, like song and dance routines and stuff. So like while she carries that reputation as being like, quote, a serious actress for her to do that kind of like bouncy fun musical, that's a challenge. <laughs> like that, that's that's untread territory for her. Um, so I thought that was really cute. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that like maybe because so many of the components of that cast are actors with that background, like with that skill set, it doesn't surprise me that the sequel, maybe everybody like found their sea legs a little bit more where it's like, yeah. I know I've heard some shit about Pierce Brosnan singing in those movies uh, to the point that very that. similar to similar to Russell Crowe in Les Mis. It's kind of a selling point for me. Where it's like I gotta see this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't finish Les Mis. Uh, even my mom, who was the one who requested we put on Les Mis, she said, "Fuck this, I'm done." Wow. <laughs> like, like this is boring. <laughs> and she loves musicals and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I would totally watch Mamma Mia. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I'm on deck to watch Mamma Mia because the girlfriend, as I said, does quite like musicals she is a singer herself um i know she's seen those movies i'm pretty sure she likes them so i don't own them so she can't just like point to my shelf and say let's watch this um but it's gonna happen (laughs) eventually (laughs) well be prepared i don't think i'm in the minority i do think a lot of people say the sequel is better um okay this is the godfather 2 of this generation (laughs) Well said, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it was. It's, uh, uh, it's how a was, fun one. How was the uh, the 4K though? Of Mamma Mia, or here we go again. Uh, I have no uh, no faint idea. <laughs> okay. Well, I but was just curious. If, I will like, say, if, like you're watching it and like tuning out the songs and just be like, oh, picture quality is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I feel like it would be. Let me let me see here. 4.5 I mean, out of people... 5 on Blu-ray.com. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, I would expect people have expectations for Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And it is the sing-along edition. Also, the theatrical version is included. So, um, <laughs> feel like singing along. There you go. Wow. 
That's a good feature, actually. They know their audience. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, um, I guess this will be my last pick, and then we'll proceed to the speed round. Um, this last pick is probably going to be speedy, as I have no idea how much time we have left on the Zoom, and this is the last goddamn Zoom we are doing tonight. Uh, wow, more DVDs. Cool. Uh, <laughs> hey. just, try, just trying to hurt Brad. Um, I feel like when you pick your picks a lot of time though they are a lot of dvds so well i do have a, a sizable number of dvds like yeah. probably half as many as i do blu-rays but mm-hmm. um a lot of dvds i own are representative of my youth though like because you know that that yeah. speaks to when i got them is that yeah. it was the it was the only option at the time but anyway uh this is this was 399 um, and it was a replacement for a bootleg, uh, which that I that was the only way I had seen or owned this film, um, and that bootleg had terrible subtitles. So uh, I, basically, I hadn't seen the movie until I eventually, yeah. many many years later, bought this official DVD. Um, and the sticky note reads: "This looked like one of my young adult dystopian novels in movie form." She she likes a lot of those YA adaptations okay uh, either like both TV and film like she's a sucker for that stuff she will freely admit to that so I'm not talking shit that's that's truth um, this is a Japanese film uh, called Shura Yukihime uh, or the Princess Blade and uh, this came out in 2001 yes it, 2001 um, and this movie has a funny little story behind it uh, in that I purchased, I discovered this film um, via a Godzilla movie bootleg that I had um, that had a secret, a secret menu option. Like it had a special feature uh, hidden on the main menu. Um, do you remember when we used to do that with DVDs? Oh yeah. That's oh not, yeah. It's not something you see on Blu-ray very often, but on yeah. DVD menus, man, like studios went crazy with menus. Anyway, if you directed the cursor over Godzilla's eye, there was a, a a button you could click on his eyeball, and it led to some secret trailers on that bootleg disc for other Japanese films. Hmm. And those trailers like opened my eyes to a whole new world of cinema. Like, it was amazing uh, because they had a super awesome trailer for Ichi the Killer on there. And mind you, I was 13 at the time. <laughs> uh, and it was an uncensored trailer um and the other trailer was for this film uh shiro yukihime and uh this was choreographed by donnie yen oh, wow. uh, so uh call back to uh, our blade 2 review that i was not present for uh donnie yen also did the choreography for that he was he was a uh, kind of renting out his duties as choreographer uh, to a lot of international productions in the late 90s early 2000s he he attempted to break into western cinema around the time of blade 2 it did not work out um because shanghai nights nobody's favorite jackie chan let alone action film highlander nobody's favorite <laughs> uh, that particular highlander film i think it was the fourth highlander film um, and he also did the choreography for like and the motion capture for uh, Onimusha Three, uh, the PS2 game. Uh, but yeah, this movie's fine. Like it, it like it, you can't really tell from the cover art, but it kind of has like a Final Fantasy VII kind of vibe to it, where it's like 
futuristic, post-apocalyptic, and yet everybody has swords. Um, but as I mentioned, Donien does the choreography, so it does not let you down at all uh, in that regard. Uh, but it's very melodramatic and very sluggishly paced uh, in between the, the action beats. So it really does come down to like two, three, yeah, three really cool action scenes and then a bunch of really depressed people <laughs> being boring. But uh, Yumiko Shaku, uh, who is uh, all four of these ladies here, there's only one of her in the movie. She was kind of an it girl uh, in the early 2000s in Japan. Uh, I don't know what she's up to these days, but in the early 2000s, she was the hotness. Um, and not only that, uh, she kind of did like a Mila Jovovich kind of thing where she was really into taking on like highly physical roles. I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but she did a lot of stunt work in like during that stage of her career. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a that's that one. <laughs> I can see where she would get a young adult vibe from that cover yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, not an amazing movie by any means, but um, very very important uh, to young Trevor. Uh, like just just that particular bootleg disc and all the all those hidden trailers that I discovered on there. I was like, I need to track down and find all of these, and I did eventually, and yeah. they all ended up being pretty good. Ichi the Killer in particular. Mm. That was eye opening, man. Like that, like that was when I started watching Takashi Miike stuff, and yeah, that, <laughs> that that guy is a whole can of worms. Changed your life. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, well, uh, I I believe Brad is all out of picks. Uh, I have some excess here, so I will just run through these uh, in what we like to call the speed round. Uh, so basically, instead of an extended conversation. Uh, I'm just going to run through these and say a little something about each of them. Uh, so these are just the remainder of what my girlfriend picked out for me. Uh, so I have here uh, Hodorowski's Dune. Oh. Uh, and the sticky note reads, I love I love documentaries. Uh, plus the, the new one, you know, came out not too long ago. Uh, potentially interesting comparisons to draw. All very true. Um, this is a very solid documentary, and oh hey, this uh, this image here. Um, Brad was intended to be part of our uh, Prometheus discussion. Uh, it was really unfortunate that the timing didn't work out, like the scheduling just didn't work out. But um, the uh, concept art that I just held up to the webcam for Brad, um, that was the pyramid. That was the concept art that they worked from to, to construct the pyramid they used in Prometheus. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, designed by H.R. Giger originally for Podorowski's Unrealized Dune um, I have here The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under on Blu-ray as I said my girlfriend's also kind of a Disney fan as well uh, specifically she says the Australian one one of my favorites me too uh, VHS tapes as a kid me too uh, The Rescuers Down Under I The Rescuers is fine but the rescuers down under is the shit. I love yeah. that movie. It's one, it's one of my very favorite Disney movies, honestly. Um, I have here Batman Beyond: uh, Return of the Joker. Mm. Uh, this would be the Batman Beyond quote movie. Uh, I think it's barely feature length, but PG thirteen, Brad. I that iconic. Uh, I've never seen the film, but that cover is very, like I remember seeing that 
at friends' houses and video stores, like that is a cover that stays with me. Oh yeah, no, it it was kind of everywhere. Batman Beyond, I as a television sh- series, I really liked. Um, although there was a distinct cutoff point where I just stopped giving a shit. I think it was around the time he he had a sidekick. I was like, I don't need him to have a high school sidekick. Like, I'm fine with just Terry. I don't. I, I'm fine with Terry McGinnis. I don't need him to have a sidekick, but. Those first couple of seasons were pretty awesome, but uh, the selling point for this one was that Mark Hamill returned, as he constantly does, <laughs> um, to voice the Joker, who was not a character in the Batman Beyond TV series. He's only in this film. Sticky note reads, the best Batman? Question mark? No. End of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, I have... X-Men Days of Future Past, The Rogue Cut. Uh, Brad, do you have this one or have you seen I it? I do, yes. I do. I've never watched it, but I do have it. Uh, it does like, kind of objectively improve the film in some ways, uh, in that a lot of characters who had no dialogue have dialogue in this version. <laughs> um, and Anna Paquin, as, as the title indicates, Anna Paquin is in the film. She's not in the theatrical version. Um Girlfriend says, I am rogue with my lock of gray hair. She does have a lock of gray hair. Oh, wow. Well, there uh, you go. No, no, I do not know what that means. But X-Men, I, I don't know what that means. But uh, we talked a lot about X-Men just last night. <laughs> I was comparing a lot of her young adult uh, television series. I was like, oh, it's just X-Men. She was like, I don't know what that means. I was like, it's like everything you ever tell me about is just X-Men. <laughs> just wow. read a book. So she's not an X-Head. You got to get her on the. She's not. Yeah. She's not. But I constantly tell her, you would love X Men. Like yeah. you would adore the X Men. Like especially the comics. She would love X Men. But you know, we'll we'll get this. She loves Hugh Jackman. Like loves Hugh Jackman. So selling her on the X Men films would not be hard. Uh, I have here <laughs> greatest rivalries: Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Uh, this, as indicated by the the title. I think was intended to be a series. This is the only one. <laughs> um, but this is, these are, if you ask me, the best wrestlers that have ever wrestled. Um, and, you know, Bret Hart, super big, super big in our household. Um, I know you explained this to me, still very intriguing. I, I talk at her constantly about wrestling. She she tolerates it. Um, <laughs> she does She does watch WrestleMania with me once a year. Uh, but beyond that, it's mostly just me talking at her while she cooks. <laughs> um, I have here Beavis and Butthead do America, which very recently came out within the yeah. past month or so. Uh, so curious. Love that story about you seeing this in a theater in Hawaii. Uh, my uncle, my uncle Don, took me and my cousin and I think my brother to see this in the theater uh, in 1996. So I was nine <laughs> mm, well yeah cool uncle don he is cool uncle don he had a motorcycle oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, i have my big fat greek wedding uh this is the only like one of like you could count on one hand the number of comedies i own and this is probably the only rom-com i own um and the girlfriend agrees apparently fantastic rom-com far too long since i've seen it uh yeah i love this movie uh this is like one of two movies i've seen in the theater with my grandma uh from hawaii 
Uh, so forever I'll have those memories of going to the theater with Gam Gam. <laughs> um, but on top of that, I think this is a fantastic film. I have not seen the sequel or the television series, but I have heard some shit. <laughs> okay, and last one. Uh, the King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. Uh, fun trivia factoid. Uh, Steve Weeby, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, the protagonist of this documentary uh, is, I, I think, at the time of filming, he was uh, from Redmond, which is in Washington, not not very far from where I where I you know was born and raised in oh, Seattle. No. Um, girlfriend says, "Who is the King of Kong?" I gots to know, <laughs> and yes, uh, she does because that's a very that's a very fun documentary I'm, I'm sure you've seen it right yeah i've seen it yeah only one time but yeah, yeah it, it is good no it, it's immensely watchable uh it's one of those narrative documentaries where it's like you you know it's not really that much of like an informational experience it's more just like it's like watching a movie that just happens to be reality tv basically but it's well put together good production values very interesting characters um and you know fun drama it's 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 built like a sports drama, um, and it functions like one, and it, I like it. It's mm-hmm. been a long time since I've seen it as well, but, you know, apparently she's interested, so maybe we'll get to watch that, yeah. too. Good picks. Okay. Yeah, good picks. That was a ghastly grab bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, apologies, folks at home. Uh, Zoom really fucked us this time, so we're not able to present this uh, particular episode uh, in video form, uh, but we will work out the kinks uh, someday, <laughs> hopefully next time. Um, but anyway, uh, that was our Tales from the Shelf episode. But uh, before we go, uh, thank you, Brad. I really appreciate you joining me this evening. Of course. Evening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate it, bud. But um, before we go, uh, would you care to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your super awesome podcast? Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your shows. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast, on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and uh, you can find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Very nice. Yeah, definitely check out Brad and his awesome show. Uh, he, he puts out great contact uh, content uh, from week to week. Uh, what do you got on deck for next week? Uh, let's see. So uh, tomorrow I'm really, well, not tomorrow when everybody else hears this, but uh, tomorrow uh, reviewing RRR, um, the uh, Tollywood film on Netflix. And then next week we're reviewing uh, Nope the new Jordan Peele movie, which I'm very excited about, especially when they said it is uh, very Spielbergian and very Shyamalan-esque. I am in. uh, Yeah, uh, it's funny. I kind of deliberately didn't really pay attention to that one because I was like, you know, if if they're not going to go to great lengths to tell you much about it, then I don't care to dig. Um but I very recently learned that a lot of a lot of the story and the characters, uh, it, it's kind of like a love letter to filmmaking itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's about if, I don't know if it's a movie about making movies, but a lot of the characters in it work in the film industry, um, and I I believe that's something that's like a, a big appeal to the both of us. 
Um, I was not aware of that until like just today. So I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I have even more reason to be excited about that one. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty hyped. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, thanks for listening, folks. But uh, if you want to catch up on any of our Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Twitter at Catching Cinema, as well as the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much every podcast service you can imagine, including BitCade. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.